0: From the 5th Quarter Studio in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to High School Hoops with your hosts, Steve Collins and Jake Stager.
1: Hey everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome. Super excited to talk about Alaskan Nets um has many meanings not only fishing nets but basketball nets but before I jump in and talk about that a little bit in this introduction I'd like to give a big shout out to our two sponsors first of all ttroops.com for coaches who want to get better go over and check them out one-stop shop for basketball coaches everything you need to become a better basketball coach in one place can't imagine a better time can't imagine a better holiday present can't imagine a better time to join. Also. Um, go over and check out dr. dish the number one shooting machine in the market I don't remember if I saw a shooting machine in any of the gyms in Alaska we're gonna have to talk to the people at dr. dish about that I don't I don't remember if I do anyway so let me uh, let me tell you if you are a high school coach if you're um, it's somehow related to a high school and you want to um, to see this movie and maybe share it with your community share it with your high school um, I will put all of the um, information down below I'll put the link I'll put everything that you need to be able to get this to screen this movie I'm sure it's going to make streaming services eventually but if you want to get it faster it is great it's about a small community in Alaska it's about it's about the triumphs and the heartache it's about basketball it's about community it's about family it is so good I told Jeff and you'll feel, you'll hear in the podcast, um, it, 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 it put, brought, brought tears to my eyes. Um, it was, uh, I, won't, I won't spoil anything, but um, it, it's just, it's the ups and downs of being a, a high school coach, and I think you're going to really enjoy this movie, um, enjoy learning a little bit about it when I talk to Jeff in, in a second, but um, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely going to be worth your time. I watched it the day before I did the interview with him and it was, it was a, it was a 6.00 AM shoot around in the morning, school all day practice after school. By the time I got sitting down to watch it, it was probably eight 30 at night and it kept me engaged the entire time. Um, I'm excited. Um, I'm excited to share it. It's, it's won some awards. One uh, Santa Barbara film, like the, 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 um, the, the Watchers' Choice or Chooser's Choice. I don't I don't know much about film festival, but anyway, it won the won the top award in Santa, the Santa Barbara Film Festival. Um, it won the top award. I'll give a, a shout out to Middlebury because because my son goes there. Won that film festival. It's it, it's a Middlebury grad, so there you go. If you need a reason to watch it, um, I think you'll enjoy this movie a lot, and I think you'll enjoy um, learning a little bit about it with uh, with Jeff and I, and then um, you'll want to go sign up. And, and listen to it. So enjoy the podcast and have a great day. Bye. Um, all right. So, so tell me, so tell me a little bit about how Alaskan Nets came about.
0: Yeah, I honestly kind of stumbled across it. I'd been looking for a sports story to tell for a while. I uh, was a big fan of the high school football film undefeated, which is a documentary film about this high school football team in Tennessee. Um, and I've been looking for a story like that. that kind of inspired me. Um, And honestly, I just was cruising the Internet one day and I stumbled across this photo essay about this community called Metlakatla and was shocked that a basketball was so huge in Alaska. Never would have guessed that. Um, B, was surprised that there was only one native reserve in all of Alaska. I thought there'd be a whole lot more. And then uh, C, thirdly, the fact that these kids are playing basketball, but also commercial fishermen responsible for the livelihoods of their family um, in the super dangerous and, you know, at times life claiming industry. It was just as wildly curious world that I had to learn more about so stumbled across it reached out to the coach while they were in the process of losing the state championship the year before um, and said I wanted to tell a story and he's like all right come on up come meet the community and and see what happens
1: and and uh, and how big is the community it was kind of hard to tell by the by when I watched it
0: uh there's between like a thousand and fifteen hundred people there
1: and how close is the closest town to it I mean do you have to take the ferry to get anywhere
0: yeah, you have to take a ferry or a seaplane. Ketchikan would be the closest town. It's probably a twenty-minute or less seaplane ride, but those are dicey. And then uh, the ferry is probably an hour or so. Wow.
1: Oh. Um, so I, I was just telling him before I—I I was telling Jeff before I jumped on. I would watched it last night. I, you know, one of the quotes that hit me, and I was telling him, I'm not, not going to spoil it for the people that are going to listen because I'm going to—I'm going to put this both. I, I have two podcasts. I'm going to put it on Coach Unplugged and High School Hoops. Cause I think there's a lot of high school coaches that will appreciate this. Um, the, it was, uh, I, I don't, I don't remember if it was Danny or DJ that said it, but I think it, I, I, and I might be paraphrasing here, but it's like, I wish life was a little bit easier. Um, which was, I think can summarize the movie a lot that it's just mm-hmm. not about basketball. <laughs>
0: Oh, it's about way more than basketball. And I think if if you're watching this, you probably realize like, yes, it's a sports movie, but it's also not a sports movie at the same time. It's about life. It's about hardship and is finding something that helps you, helps your community go forward. And for many people, it is sports, but it's definitely deeper than that.
1: And, and, uh, okay. So I'm going to have, a, I'm going to ask a filming thing. So how mm-hmm. deep do they go? So part of it is the commercial fishing, but then if people watch it, they, they, they do, they do diving to get specific things i don't remember what it was like urchins or something how deep do they have to go to do that
0: uh, it kind of depends sometimes they can find it in the shallows, probably 20 feet uh okay. sometimes go upwards of 90 feet it really just depends on on where the the product is they have different dive zones and some zones just happen to be deeper than others
1: and is it murky is it like really hard to see down there what makes it so dangerous
0: Uh, there's probably like 30 things that make it really dangerous i think you know the first part about it is just they're doing it in the middle of the winter which as you can imagine being underwater in the middle of an alaskan winter is not a fun place to be so (laughs) the waters are super cold you have a very thin air hose connecting you to the boat um, that can freeze and then your air supply is choked off when you're at the bottom of the ocean Uh, tides can push your boat drag you across the bottom floor Uh, a whale or something could swim through take your line out you could get tangled in seaweed. Uh, in the case of uh, the film, there's obviously some tragedy where um, equipment will fail. Um, just about everyone I talked to in the community, even the old timers, have all had multiple close calls, and it's just whether you can survive it. Really, is what it comes down to.
1: Yeah, and and so give people a little premise of the of the background. I think I think it makes it unique that the 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 quote unquote two lead characters are related. I think that's unique too.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely unique but it's also you know fairly common in this community because the community is one giant family. Like no one ever leaves. The community it's generation after generation just stays in Metlacala. Occasionally new people come in, but honestly not really. Um so the two core characters are Danny and DJ. Uh kind of a Batman and Robin dynamic where Danny's the older <laughs> cousin, uh DJ's the younger cousin separated by a year and DJ absolutely positively hates living in the shadow of Danny. Um but that's just where he is. Danny's a better fisherman. Danny's a better basketball player. The girls want Danny more than they want DJ. It's just, it's kind of what it is. And the story really is their relationship, which is, is, you know, thick as thieves, tighter than pretty much any relationship I've ever seen before, but also super volatile. So they have a lot of, you know, dark family history and pain and suffering that they're trying to overcome while getting along on the basketball court to kind of bring hope back to this community that's been pretty devastated, both in recent history and in, in the course of the film.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think what, I think what <laughs> tugs at you a little bit too is that it's almost deeper than a i mean i have a, i have an older brother it's almost deeper than a brother relationship in some respects um at least it comes across that way in the, in the film um, yeah
0: i mean they are like truly related and they kind of are brothers in the sense that like one mom married the other dad dad married the other mom so they really are super connected and they, and they do everything they hunt they fish they play basketball they literally do everything together
1: Um, so how many were I, so this is, again, I'm at, I I coach in a really big, basically urban school in Wisconsin. And so I'm watching the basketball as basketball. So this would be obviously the smallest division. I think there were 70 some kids in the school. Yeah. Um, how many kids were on the team and how many kids actually played? That was kind of hard from a basketball standpoint to tell.
0: Yeah, it's funny. So 72 kids in the high school, of those probably 25 or so are involved in basketball okay. and on the varsity team. Uh they were they were kind of decent at the at the like freshman level too, so in kind of clean up, cleanups, the freshman would play. I'd say maybe like 9 kids would maybe play. Okay. Um with, in meaningful games, 6 maybe 7. Okay.
1: That, that, that's, that's what that's the way I could kind of tell. It's like, "Ooh, it, it looked like some yeah, it, it, from a basketball standpoint, I was I was watching some of the basketball. I think and I, and I've done in my podcast, I've, I've, um, I've interviewed uh, officials and other coaches in some bigger towns. And I, I referred to, I was trying to explain it to my classes today. I said, it's kind of like planes, trains, and automobiles to get to your game, oh, yeah. but it's, but it's ferries and it's all this and snowmobiles and it's whatever you can do. Um, I found, and they couldn't believe when I was explaining to them that, 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 that you stay overnight and you have to sleep on air mattresses. And I mean, what's the the distances they must put on is crazy to play basketball.
0: It really is crazy. And even if it's ge- like, uh, you know, geographically close, it's still impossible to get to. There's, there's just no great transportation. And again, you're doing it in the middle of the winter when, you know, everything is messed up in terms of travel logistics. So. I mean, it's, it's thousands of miles before the season is over and it's, it's every travel method you can imagine. And yeah, you're sleeping on floors and I've, (laughs) I was, it was a rude awakening for me having never experienced that now trying to film in that environment, rolling around with these kids, but it's just, it's so second nature to them. It's not even that big of a deal.
1: Right. It's it's just what they have to do. They just don't, they don't know any difference. So this was so we're we're, we're doing this so th- this will go up probably in the next week. I'm gonna try to get it up so people can watch the film. But um, this is going up at the end of 2021. However, the the film was is almost three years old. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this
0: uh, lovely thing called COVID uh, kind of showed up, and the uh, the entertainment world kind of came to a grinding halt. So we actually we finished editing the film. Uh, probably a year and a half ago, maybe a little bit more. Okay. Um, okay. But again, we were finishing as COVID was kind of starting up. And then film festivals were canceled. Uh, distributors were going out of business, not buying. Theaters were closed. Um, even your traditional ones like ESPN, Fox Sports, all, you know, HBO, were no longer acquiring content because budgets were being slashed. People were being laid off. So just to, honestly, a, a brutal time to finish a film. So it was just a waiting game. I know you and might
1: that- not want to be on Netflix. It's a perfect Netflix film. I'm telling you right now, it's anyways from Netflix is listening it's a perfect it's it's anyway it kept my I mean I'd i worked all day I started watching like 8 30 at night and it kept me it kept me engaged the whole I mean again very good it was unbelievably good um the um so you've won some awards I'm gonna I'm gonna give a shout out to the Middlebury one because my son goes to Middlebury so most people don't know where that is in the middle of Vermont um but Santa Barbara was a big one that was recent huh
0: yeah, Santa Barbara was the uh, the world premiere, which was exciting for us. Again, we'd kind of uh, hold we'd held off on film festivals a because they were being canceled, and b the ones that were coming back were strictly virtual. And we thought kind of how how pointless and uh, unfulfilling it would be to experience this film as the premiere from our homes on our computers. It just seemed wrong. So uh, right. Santa Barbara was the first festival that had a hybrid live and uh, virtual component, where they did this big uh, beachside drive-in down in Santa Barbara, right on the water um and actually Alaska Airlines was great they flew the kids from the team down there and they got to kind of see their story on the big screen with some family members and i mean those kids felt like total rock stars you know for for a day or two while they were down there. Well, they um, should.
1: They should. Yeah. They should to be honest with you. I think that's really cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So they yeah we won the audience choice at that at that festival which is the top overall fe- uh, award at the festival kind of across all all categories. Um, and then yeah, it's it's been weird because COVID's kind of gone up and down, and you know festivals have some have happened, some have been canceled. We we went to a few others. We did go to the Middlebury film film festival. I saw the hat, and I actually went to Middlebury myself. So there's okay. a so there's a connection there. I as well. didn't know you went to
1: wh- when did you graduate from Middlebury?
0: Uh, 2007.
1: Okay, yeah my uh, my niece graduated from there too, so that's one of the reasons. Um, she's working. Uh, she's a computer scientist, so she's working at Google now. Um, oh, nice. great school. Did you yeah. ski? My son's trying to take up skiing. I'm not, I'm not totally convinced he's going to be able to do it, but it's funny. I didn't
0: ski at all. When I was, I was there, I grew up, I played basketball and then, you know, I didn't get into skiing until I moved to Jackson kind of in uh, the years following. Okay.
1: Okay. That's awesome. Um, so what, what's the, so what's the plans for the, for the movie? And then, um, I want you to, I mean, I literally got your email. That's how I found out about the movie. Mm -hmm. Hadn't heard of it. Um, so how, just explain to people how they can watch this movie. I will put all of this in the show notes so people can find it, but how can they, how can they watch this unique high school life movie that I, I mean, I'm not doing it justice, but I'm Alex
0: Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week you're hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. Yeah, I think well the uh, the cool thing again, it's it was kind of born out of COVID. This idea that entertainment as we know it, I think, is changing, and you're probably seeing that in, in you know theaters still. A lot of movies that normally would would crush at the box office are getting destroyed, and I think the model is just changing. So we started thinking about different ways to bring this film out um, in this new world we're living in. And Alaska Airlines was kind of an early believer in the project. They hooked me and my team up with vouchers to travel around and do this project. So when Um, You know, things were shutting down. We actually approached Alaska Airlines and said, hey, we have this idea. Let's make this film available to any high school in America, any high school in Canada, any high school that wants to see this film host a screening at their school, whether it's just for their teams or, you know, best case scenario for their entire community and it's free. The the schools can sign up for free. They can invite their, uh, you know, their, their kids, their community members. Um, And there's really, we give schools a ton of latitude. A lot of schools are renting out theaters or, you know, doing multiple, it's, it's really kind of a cool thing, but the goal is for schools to be able to bring their communities together kind of in this quasi post COVID world and just, you know, enjoy the movies, enjoy some, some sports and, and have fun together. And if they want, they can turn it into a fundraiser with all money going back to their school programs. So, Really, that's the first thing that's going to happen already. We have, I think, well over 500 schools across the country have already signed up and will be participating this winter. And then in the spring, uh, come April, the film will be out kind of in your traditional, uh, you know, VOD streaming platforms from there.
1: Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's going to be, I think it, uh, and that will be very unique. And I think I saw that you're doing kind of a raffle for it. We, I almost went, I almost took my team to that tournament. If, if I'm thinking of the Alaskan Airline one. Mm -hmm. um it was probably six or seven years ago it was between that Myrtle Beach we ended up going to Myrtle Beach um just (laughs) because you don't blame me in the middle of winter not a lot of sun in Alaska yeah I don't blame you (laughs) um but it's a great so I think explain how that works too so for people if they sign up too
0: Yeah, that's kind of a nice little carrot at the end of it. You know, hopefully people just want to see it because it's a really cool story. But we know sometimes people need a little more encouragement. So our our friends at Alaska Airlines have decided that uh, kind of one lucky school who participates in this uh, high school movie night, both of their boys and their girls' basketball teams will be flown up to Anchorage, uh, obviously not this season, but next season, to compete in the Alaska Airlines Classic. And they'll play against some of the the best teams in Alaska. Um, And they also invite other teams from the lower 48 as well. So you'll probably see another team or two from the lower forty eight in addition to kind of those top teams in alaska and uh and yeah and kids will get a kind of a cool chance to see probably a part of the world that they might not have seen otherwise and maybe we'll never see without this yeah I think
1: so how long did how long did the filming actually take
0: uh it's, it's probably a year and a half of like true filming so i okay. s- we started in September of 2017 I actually got married in October of 2017. And then in November, I moved up there full time to start making this film. And I lived on the res through the basketball season. So my wife was very loving and very understanding. And I'm still married somehow, but. Oh my, bless her. Bless I know, bless her, her indeed. Um, <laughs> she's definitely in the credits, believe it or not. Yes, so I feel that. Um, yes. Uh, but then, so after the basketball season was over, we, we went back to film, hunting, fishing, interviews, and kind of follow up from there. Um, so it's probably like, I guess maybe 14 months and 15 months of true production time.
1: Okay. And, and I won't spoil where every, what everyone's doing at this time. Cause I, I always love that at the end of documentaries, kind of finding out what everyone's doing, but are most of them, and they're still all up there roughly.
0: Yeah. They're all kind of in the, uh, I think they've all migrated home if they weren't home already. So yeah, it's, okay. you know, it's yeah, it's a magnet. They don't, they don't get too far.
1: Yeah. And are you a hunter and fisherman at all? Uh, I
0: love fishing. I've I've never hunted other than kind of just going up there with them, but I I love fishing. Yeah.
1: Okay. And did you get to do that when you were there?
0: Oh yeah. I mean, they always loved like, okay, great. We'll we'll film today, but like, you got to come out with us tomorrow and just like actually fish. So actually there's, I mean, there's certain tribal rules where I cannot commercially fish up there in their protected waters, but for subsistence fishing, I could go with the coach and we could go halibut fishing. We can go trolling for Kings and things like yeah. that but uh yeah they have they have protected waters that only tribal members can can fish and that's kind of and his coach yeah. from there no he's uh he's from washington state uh, he kind of found his way up there i feel like a lot of coaches end up at alaska maybe fresh out of school where they're kind of looking for opportunities and know the pay is pretty good right out of school get some kind of cool exposure and see a part of the world like i said you might not see um but he's been there for probably seven years now maybe eight years
1: okay okay um so anything else about the movie that you'd want to share? I mean, I, obviously the Chris Pratt thing is not interesting that he's a producer.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's an executive producer on the project. It's funny. My first job in uh, entertainment was at United Talent Agency, which is one of the top few agencies in the world. Um, and when I was finishing the film, I showed it to them. They loved it. They wanted to help represent it as we were kind of moving forward. And without my knowing, they actually showed it to Chris Pratt, who's a client of theirs, Um, who just started his own production company looking for kind of uniquely unexpected American stories and this kind of qualified for them. So they took a look at it, loved it. Chris is from the Pacific Northwest, spent some time in Alaska as a child um, and it just really clicked with him. So he uh, hopped on board as an EP, um, which has been super cool and and very validating.
1: Oh, I bet bet it has. I mean, so... (laughs) Do they? I I saw that weird that outside basketball court. Is that used a lot in Alaska? I saw that one that was in the film a lot. Actually, sort of two or three times.
0: Yeah, the outdoor court really is the center of life in Metlakatla. It doesn't matter what the weather is—rain, snow, sun, day, night. Like they will always be on the outdoor court, and that thing is beat. Like that thing will, you know, destroy your ankles and your knees. But then the kids love it. The community loves it. And it's funny because you would think maybe like a town hall or a community center would be the, the center of life and maybe a small community. Their town hall is a basketball court. It's just an indoor basketball court that people go to and play at night. And that's where the youth games are. So like literally the community revolves, you know, emotionally, physically, <laughs> geographically around the basketball courts and game. It just, it's what moves them and, and keeps them going.
1: And is there any tourism to it or is it too isolated for that?
0: there was tourism briefly. I mean, they have like a very minor tourism. Um, you know, there was back, I don't know, a number of years ago when the the cruise ships were kind of going through Disney got a wild hair and like, Oh, you take a, take a day trip to the only native reservation in Alaska. And they would kind of run a boat over there and they'd kind of give them a little bit of a tour, but that, that I think has died off and isn't really too much of a thing right now. So very, very minor tourism, really. It's just, they're kind of alone, honestly, on an Island, literally. <laughs>
1: they are and it's so it's so beautiful i mean you can't i mean, even the film i mean you have to watch it on a big big screen to get the how true how truly beautiful it is it's crazy
0: it's stunning i mean there's there's few places like alaska i had never been there prior to making this film and i've tried to convince my wife to move there but she's like Hell no, we're not doing that. But uh, go, you know, go visit as often as you want. But uh, it's it's another world. And I think, you know, a lot of times it's probably guys more so than girls. But you kind of catch the bug when you go up there and you just want to. And, and how yeah.
1: was and how was the fishing turned? Because they kind of you kind of hinted that the fishing's turned not bad, but has not been as good. What happened? Why? Why is it global warming? Is it what's caused that?
0: Yeah, there are a number of factors. Climate change is definitely a leading cause of it. But what happens is just kind of pushes the salmon further up and further out into the ocean. And basically the way salmon runs work is they kind of like the salmon go up the coast of Alaska out the Aleutian Islands. um, And then when they come back is when the fishermen start to catch them. And you can just imagine when these giant schools of fish are coming up the Aleutian chain. Every single fishing community gets first dibs at them as those fish are kind of going up the islands, around the corner, and all the way down to southeast Alaska. So by the time they reach southeast, the fishermen there are getting kind of the last crack at fish. Um, So overfishing kind of in other parts of the ocean. Um, I know the Asian fishermen are also kind of coming over and tapping some of the waters um, but really it's just it's a combination of that overfishing and just the, the warming waters making it difficult to get the salmon returns they used to and see. And they're and they're
1: really trying to
0: get the salmon. So when they're when
1: they're going out, that's what they're trying to get with the nets.
0: Yep. Salmon is the the primary thing. They used to have um, herring, but herring populations have more or less died off where they live. So they can't do that anymore. And ultimately that's why they commercial dive in the wintertime. That used to not be a thing at all because it's super dangerous. And why would you want to do that? But when all the salmon went away. Fishermen who used to make six figures in a few months in the summer were now, you know, not even able to cover their bills. So they have to find another fishery. And diving was pretty much the only option on the island. Interesting. Interesting.
1: Um, Do you keep in touch with Danny and DJ?
0: Yeah, we text routinely. Um, I've seen them a couple times since, and uh, I think that's a relationship that will last, you know, well, well into the future.
1: Yeah, and, and 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 I think you portrayed them as high school boys. I think you did. It's like from someone that's taught for thirty years, you know, <laughs> it's a it's a roller coaster, and you could kind of see it. But but deep down, you saw, and this is again someone that watched it yesterday. Is you could see a you could see a, a, a both special they're, they're high school boys they're going through the the, the ups and downs and the, and those tribulations that, that they do but you can see the sparkle you can see that they love their community they love their family they love they love playing basketball um, so I, I think I think you did a compliment to you again I think you did a really good job and sometimes those things can portray kids not maybe in necessarily the greatest light but I think mm-hmm this really did. I mean, I, I I feel like I know them and I don't know them. I feel like yeah. I can walk down that town and be like, oh, man, look, it's, it's <laughs> DJ. so that that that's a that's a that's a compliment to you. It's um, funny. A,
0: a lot of people have actually said that at the end of the film, it's like, I feel like I know them. And I think that's a good you know, that's obviously a good thing. Like you see them at the high, you see them at the low and kind of everything in between. They are they are kids, but just what they're exposed to, I think, just ages them beyond their years. And maybe that makes them more vulnerable, but also relatable at the same time. I'm not sure. And
1: I think what it does is from someone that's, you know, 2,000, 3,000 miles away teaching, you know, in the Midwest, but upper Midwest, it's like kids are kids. Like it doesn't yep. matter. It, it, like, you go, I go to South America. I mean, kids are kids and you can kind of, that, that came across. It's like, yeah, as, a, as someone that's coached a really long time, <laughs> there's a couple speeches coach gave that I've probably given. Yeah. And definitely the one where he was not doing what he was supposed to do with the English. I have, de- I've literally verbatim <laughs> given that speech. Yep. I mean, so if the high school coaches are listening to this watch, you'll go, well, I gave that. So I've given that speech. Like you, you better shape up. You better do what your teacher. I mean, we've all given that speech. So I think that's what, at least as a high school teacher and high school coach, it was like, man, I, I can relate to that. And I can relate to that. And I I've been there and I've experienced that um so you did a really good job of kind of catching my day-to-day life to be honest with you so I, I appreciate that nice
0: yeah i think that's kind of what we're again so excited about this uh this opportunity for high schools i think a lot of schools around the country while all of them are very different they also are very similar in the same way and i think a lot of schools will see their own parallels to this community at times and then at other times they'll be like wow that is so completely foreign to me. And I think it will give kids a whole new appreciation when they're thinking about a road trip or, Oh, I, you know, I don't have to work. You know, my parents take care of that for me or, Oh man, I work at subway. I, you know, like right. it's just right. different. Life is different, but it's also the same in many ways. It is.
1: It is. Well, thank you. I appreciate you sharing this with the world. I think it's, uh, I think it's going to be, uh, one of those films that, that affects a lot of people. So I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me tonight.
0: Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me thank on. You.
1: Sports social podcast network.